Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 46. Welcome to episode number 46 of the Wet Podcast, writing, education, and technology. I am Eric Marshall. I am your host. Today we have Jennifer Polk. Jennifer Polk got her PhD from the University of Toronto uh, in 2012 and uh, has since become a life coach, career coach, and academic coach. And we talk about the transition from getting your PhD into doing whatever it is that life has in store for you or whatever it is that you, you that you want to do in life that may or may not include uh, academic work. We have a really good conversation that ranges from uh, graduate work to graduation itself, to the different types of jobs people can do, uh, to Twitter, to having a community of like-minded people or people in the same position as you. We talk about actually uh, quite a lot of stuff. Uh, poutine. <laughs> so it's a really good uh, it's a really good interview. One word about the audio. Jen and I talked over Skype, as I do with a lot of guests, and her connection was a little crackly. Uh, which I uh, hadn't quite noticed during the interview. It's definitely listenable. You can definitely listen to it. It's not that bad. It's not that distracting, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's it's a little crackly. Um, it does get better towards the middle of the interview. It does kind of clear up a little bit. But uh, I just wanted to warn you, that's just the nature of Skype, the nature of the Internet, and the nature of podcasting. So you've heard it before, and you'll hear it again. But just wanted to give you that little that little heads up, I guess. Uh, show notes along with all the links we mentioned will be at ericmarshall.net slash wet. That's Eric with a K. Marshall with two L's dot net slash W-E-T. I hope you enjoy the interview. I have with me today Jennifer Polk of P from PhD to life dot com. Um, but we're gonna call her Jen. Hi, Jen. Hello. Thanks for having me, Eric. Hey, thanks for coming on. Um I think we've uh we've been I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. I don't know if you follow me or not, but we've had some interactions and, and one of the one of the um uh things that really brought you to my attention is the hashtag that you do you did you invent that hashtag PhD uh, with a PhD or is that just something that you're using? I I think I did invent it. I can't take full credit because it came out of a convo, um, a conversation with Chris Humphrey, uh, who runs a website in the UK called Jobs on Toast, and okay. uh, he's a fellow PhD now doing something else. And and we were talking about you know how we are often talk about ourselves as being a PhD. Yeah, and he he was saying how. He likes to advise people to say it's not that you are a PhD, uh, but that you are a professional, whatever, with a PhD. So uh, he used that that phrase with a PhD, and that then that became you know hashtag with a PhD. Oh, that's and, interesting. And then, 
yeah, that started uh, that hashtag I use for a chat that I do twice a month. And other people use it for other purposes. But yeah, I primarily use it for a chat. Yeah, and that's where I came, uh, where um, you kind of bubbled up for me is, is with the with the chat. So the chats are great. You know, twice a month you do you do this chat about different things about transitioning from PhDs, the PhD program to whatever in life, right? Or or sometimes you just have yeah. different um, different topics. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. We do. Yeah, I like to do a big mix. The idea behind the chat for me, is to bring us all together as a community, all people with PhD. Now, obviously, not all of them are on the chat right then and there, but the idea is it's really inclusive. And why I want to do that is, you know, my experience of having a PhD and doing something outside of academia, although I abut it, I am adjacent to it, uh, is that we're not, we don't really talk to each other. And so for me, it's like, let's talk to each other. And it's grown to not just, you know, let, you know, those of us on the outside talk with people on the inside, but let's get grad students and professors and postdocs and adjuncts and like non-academics and even people who don't have PhDs come. Um, and then it's to talk about, I mean, really life issues. <laughs> um, so yesterday's chat uh, 7th of December, we had a chat on reading, which is a very broad topic and lots of fun stuff came out of that. So yeah, it's a nice way of, you know, a human beingizing. <laughs> Not a <this laughs> phrase, but you know, we're, we're people We just happen to be with a PhD. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great chat too. And then you, uh, you put it on Storify as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think that's a useful thing to do, how uh, the people can read after the fact. Um, cause the, the chat is, is live for an hour and, you know, not everyone can join us. So I think yeah. people appreciate, uh, having the archive. I'm a, I'm a history PhD training, right? So I think I like the idea of having things archived. Yeah. I, I like it too. I think it's great. Yeah. Yesterday, um, I, I tuned in or whatever about two minutes after you ended. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. okay. I saw it. I have a column set up for the hashtag with a PhD, and I looked, and you were like, "Okay, we're ending in three, two, one." And it was like two minutes ago. I was like, "Oh man, I missed it," but I know that I can find it on Storify, and I'll put links in the show notes to this episode, um, linking to some of the Storify, so people can follow along as well. So that'll be that'll be nice. Yeah, and there's a website for that uh, with a PhD dot com, of course. <laughs> And I, and I will also link to with a phd.com for that as well. Um, because it's, it's a good, um, it's a good service really that you're kind of providing to other PhDs, kind of a venue for people to, like you said, to connect because it can be, I know the, the graduate school process can be incredibly lonely and isolating. Yeah. And then when you're done, you know, when you get the PhD and you have the PhD, um, people take different paths. And, you know, a lot of times people want to go on one path and that path doesn't really maybe pan out. Um, of course, yeah. I'm talking about the tenure track <laughs> job path uh, that, that often doesn't pan out. And then you're kind of, you know, kind of stuck floating. And, and so it's good to have a kind of a community, not just of people who are who didn't get the tenure track job or trying to do something else. But like you said, of people who have PhDs and have similar concerns. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting because certainly I experienced, you know, not the whole time that I was doing my doctorate, but you know, there was definitely times where I felt really isolated. Um, and 
know, I had this idea that, you know, oh, if I was a science uh, grad student, I would totally not feel isolated at all. But <laughs> as I have learned uh, over the years, there's, there's certainly a lot of isolation, even for people that work in labs and seemingly are around other people all day. Um, so that, anyway, that's interesting for me to learn. But yes, then once we do other things, uh, yeah, it's a huge uh, sense. It can be a huge sense of loss. Uh, for one's own personal identity, but certainly also sense of community, sense of scholarly community. Um, and that sense of isolation is just difficult for people. Um, and then there's the, yeah, I think it's just nice to have a relaxed, like non-critical space <laughs> to, you know, chat and learn from each other. And Twitter is a nice venue, I find. I mean, I've had really positive experience with Twitter. And so, you know, that's why I use Twitter because uh, it's, it's, it's open, you know, for the most part. If, if you want to participate, you can. Um, and you can be anonymous. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's an open space. And we're not, we're not talking about your discipline. We're not talking about your research. So hopefully people can feel okay being just regular folk. Yeah, yeah, it's nice and it's not um it's refreshing <laughs> for that reason. You know, people with a with similar in a similar situation but not because you always get that what's your research about and sometimes you don't want to talk about that. Mhm. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's good. When did you complete your PhD? I finished it in so I defended and handed in the final thing in February 2012. Okay. And then I graduated officially I uh, graduated in June. Okay. Uh, and for me, the graduation was important. Even though I was completely done in February, you know, walking across that stage and getting a diploma was uh, significant for me. So <laughs> I always, there's a two-part answer to that. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I had the same uh, same thing where I, I defended in March of 2010, and mm -hmm. walking and doing the whole thing was was important to me as well. I, di I didn't do it for my undergraduate, um, but... It was, yeah, also important. That was in June as, as well. Um, but you yeah. defended in February. So 2012, so about three years ago, three and a half years yeah, ago now. Coming up to four. Yeah. Oh boy. Right. Time flies, yeah. right? Yeah. And thank God. And I always, when I, when I think back, I always say, Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God I'm done. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> I, Yes. <laughs> I, I totally understand that sentiment. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's great. So then, so then what, what, what did you do in, in June of 12 when, with your history PhD, what was your, uh, what was your first kind of plan of action? Yeah. So I was already working occasionally as a freelancer. I was, you know, there were, there were guys, how do I say this? Local uh, senior consultants, so guys that had their own uh, little consulting businesses that needed like, extra work. And um, through a friend, I got put in touch with them. And so I was doing work for them. And, you know, nothing really high level, uh, just extra stuff. And so I was doing that in the beginning. And my plan was to continue to do freelance research and, you know, other sorts of freelance stuff. Uh, and to build up that business and apply for academic jobs, you know, when the cycle started again. Uh, so that was the original plan. And by the summer, I'd already, I, by the summer, I'd uh, also picked up a 10 hour a week uh, part time job. I was working for a startup uh, concert listing website. 
and then also by the summer, I was getting increasingly frustrated with <laughs> what I was doing and what I was not doing. So my, you know, looking back, I see it as the flailing period. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, you know, a, a, a moment, a big moment for me was then in the fall when I ended up hiring a career coach. And this was not something that I had ever done before, and I'd never heard of a career coach, in fact. Um, but that was a, a huge uh, turning point for me of, oh, okay, I'm not alone in this. I'm on the right track. It's okay. Uh, and I have now had support to move forward. Oh, that's interesting. And you did that in the fall of 2012? Yeah, November 2012. And then... To get yeah, let me to get to where I am now. You know, it took a while. But, uh, so fast forward a few months, and then in the spring, I the very end of May 2013. So already more than a year after I finished, uh, I I started a coaching course. So after working with my coach for a while, I was thinking, hmm, this is interesting. So I decided, well, let me just take one course and see what this is all about. Uh, and then a month into that course, I had my first client. So that was, uh, what, to that summer 2013. And yeah, that's, that's the beginning of this, what I'm doing now, which is working primarily one-on-one with my own clients, uh, as a coach, life coach, career coach, academic coach. Uh, and I also speak and write, uh, on graduate career outcomes, uh, other issues, PhD life issues. Okay. And then were you on the, um, were you on the academic drag market in the fall of 2012? I was not. So that's the funny thing about me is I never actually applied for any academic jobs. I huh. thought about it. I looked at them. <laughs> you thought about it. <laughs> yeah. I was a tourist in the wikis for a while. Uh, and I felt guilty that I, that I wasn't applying. But you I did? always thought, well, I'll just do it later. Well, later never happened. Yeah. Um, so it was, when was it? I guess it was. The winter of 2013, no, 14, the winter of 2000, no, it was the winter of 2013. So I think not that long after I finished, that's when I stopped looking at job ads, academic job ads. Okay. So you were looking at them. Was it, uh, I'm just, I'm just, this is just curiosity on my part. Um, so were you looking at them saying, I don't want to work at these places? Were you looking at them saying, I don't want to do this type of work? Was it just, just realism creeping in knowing that it's hard to get a job? Was it just, yeah. you know, what was that? Yeah, I think it was, a, it was a bunch of different things. It was, you know, I don't want to live in those places. Uh, it was, I'm not going to, I, I would never be hired. Yeah. So, you know, there, that's, that was, I guess you could call that realism, but there was also a confidence issue. Um, mm. but you know, now I look back and I think, well, there's no way. <laughs> I call it realism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, no I offense think- to you. I mean, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that you're not qualified. It's just, it's just, it's no, just very no, difficult. No. It's, it's really fair. And you know, the reality is last few years of my doctorate and then afterwards I wasn't particularly engaged uh, uh, in my field. you know I had moments yeah but I never published I never taught my own course uh, so you know I wasn't professionalizing in academia 
the way that, uh, you know, you're supposed to, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, which is fair, right? And so I think looking back, I have a much more healthy view of it. Like, look, this wasn't the path that I was on, really. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, was sort of, I was maybe on the surface level, it looked like I was on it, but it actually really wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't where I was putting my energies. Um, yeah, so, makes... yeah, I didn't have the same kind of experience that other people have of like years of harrowing struggle. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I could. Yeah, I did. Uh, so I, so that's why I'm laughing. Um, yeah. So let me. So you're you you got your. I'm going to delve into this PhD thing for a little while. Like I'm just I'm kind of fascinated by your by your story right now. Um, you you got your PhD from the University of Toronto. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. And did were your peers, uh, you know, your cohort in the PhD program, were they doing the professionalizing stuff in the history department that you weren't doing or was it kind of across the board or did you, do you have a sense of that? Yeah. My sense is that they were uh, professionalizing. They were publishing, not all of them because history, you know, you don't necessarily publish. And certainly right. some of my friends got jobs without that. Um, but yes, I think mostly they were professionalizing and when it came to the job market, they were on it. Um, I, you know, part of my story, uh, which is you know, different from a lot of, you know, everyone's story is different. And I know that now cause I've sp- spoken to so many of us, everyone's story really is different. But yeah. one thing that is maybe a little bit more different than other people's different is that I did have some savings. So I didn't feel it's an interesting way to put it, but I didn't feel like you know there was a gun to my head. It's a terrible metaphor, but I didn't feel the intense pressure that a lot of my friends and colleagues did to apply for jobs because I knew that I didn't act, you know, I, I could eat <laughs> for the next few months. It was okay. Right. Um, and so that was an, ex- that was an excuse. Uh, but, I, you know, looking back, I'm glad that I had that excuse because uh, not everyone has that excuse. Um, but it also meant that when I looked around at my friends and my colleagues uh, in my department and other people that I knew locally and that I knew, you know, from going to conferences in, in my field, that they, these people were working as professors or trying very hard to work as professors. And so that was difficult for me psychologically when I looked around and I didn't know very many people at all who are trying to do something different. Yeah, I was asking because I was wondering if um, in your department, if there was a focus on the, you know, the kind of the tenure track, you know, professional kind of thing or not. Because in some departments it is, and some right. departments it's not, but it sounds like it's more kind of idiosyncratic to you. You know, you had this other, you know, like you said, you look back and you were already on another path that maybe you didn't realize at first. Um, yeah, okay. my department was was. My, my sense from talking with other people is that my department was very much tra- the traditional kind of elite uh, pro- uh, program mm-hmm. in, in terms of that we're all meant to be professors. Um, that was in the air, right? That was, you know, the air that we breathe. It was yeah. very much there. Uh, U of T is in the Harvard of the North, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know right. that that's a realistic assessment, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's one of the, it's, I think it's, pro- it's probably the biggest uh, university in Canada, uh-huh. Uh, so quite uh, prestigious, at least it thinks it is. <laughs> I should stop talking now. Um, <laughs> it's okay. So yes, I, I I very much think I I came out of uh, that kind of program. That that yeah, as you say, not everyone comes out of that kind of program, but definitely that was uh, in the air that I breathed. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's true in a lot of places, you know. And I think in a lot <laughs> of places there's a 
uh, sense of failure if you don't get the mm-hmm. tenure track job. I think there was for a long time. I don't know if that's still true. Um, yeah. in, in a lot of places, I don't know if it's true there, but, um, and I think I personally struggled, struggled with that a little bit for a while, um, before mm-hmm. coming to peace with, with the whole thing. Um, Absolutely. And I was guilty of those kind of that kind of thinking too. And yeah. I, I think it's just baked into the system. Um, you know, I remember, uh, the guy, the man who was my, the head TA, when I was starting my PhD, I was, I was a teaching assistant and the, the, my fellow graduate student was the head TA of the course. And he was a very, he was a very senior PhD student and he soon graduated and went off to a tenure track job. But I remember being judgmental about it because he went to a place where there was, you know, I think there were like six people in his, his new department, mm-hmm. where, you know, my, you know, U of T's department had like 80 professors or something like that. <laughs> So I remember myself being judgmental of him, you know, not, he was, he did get a tenure track job, but it was at a small place in a small town. Maybe it was in Michigan. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know, I was extremely judgmental. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that I can't blame on U of T. I mean, that was from years of socialization already, you know, yeah. undergraduate and then master's degree. Um, so yeah, I, I think using that metaphor that is in the air, I, I think that that's a useful one because it's not that anyone is to blame, right? You know, any particular, but I, you know, it's just part of academic culture that you do well and you move forward. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and if you don't move forward in that way, well, then you lack merit, right? Meritocracy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't do the right things. You didn't. Published in the right areas and the right journals, whatever yeah. it might be, right? Yeah, it's on you. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't, even if nobody says that directly, mm-hmm. explicitly, it's in there. We yeah. get it. We learn it. We yeah. know it. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of that comes from uh, maybe a, a different generation where, where I think maybe. I get the sense that, like, for example, my, my dissertation advisor, his generation, y- you could get a job pretty easily even if you hadn't even finished your phd yet you know your abd you could you know i think it was i think it was easier um but i think the economic situation has changed uh with reliance on contingent faculty and and uh tenure track lines getting taken away and stuff like that i think that and 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 the number of phds uh kind of minted i guess you could say i think a lot of that's changed and i think this that old attitude stays in some places. And I think it, like you said, it's in the air and you breathe it, you know, as a graduate yeah. student, you know, and um, then it gets, it's, it's hard to tackle it because new, you know, the new professors that get hired, they're the winners in the system. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, many of them of course are engaged with, you know, the problems that their friends aren't getting jobs. Uh, but, but they they still win out on the system. And so, yeah. you know, I think it's challenging, uh, to make change. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I think some of them are sensitive to it, but, but still they're, they're not in a, in a situation to, to do much about it. Um, so going back to 2012, mm-hmm. you hired a life coach, career coach, a career coach. Yeah. What made you decide to do that? Where did you find him or her and what did he or she do for you? This is absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. <laughs> So I was looking at, well, I had decided that fall that I wasn't a loser, 
even though I was telling people that I was. <laughs> and I was like, look, I'm not a loser. Uh, I got to figure this thing out. I got to get busy. And one of the things that I decided that I needed to do, I'd start, I'd done it already a couple of times, but I was starting to get serious about it. Think, thinking anyways, about getting serious about it, it was informational interviews. Everywhere. I kept reading about informational interviews. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was reading versatilephd.com. It's mm-hmm. a website with forums. Uh, it's free uh, service forums for uh, PhDs. And one of the threads that was then uh, active was about informational interviews. Okay, perfect. So I read the thread and a woman had posted in there that she had a cheat sheet uh, about this and that she would happily email it to anyone who let her know. So, and she gave her email address um, in, in the thread. So because I had decided that I was, you know, time for action, I emailed whoever she was. <laughs> you know, I'd love to have your cheat sheet and genius. This is genius, right? Because she sent me this PDF document. And uh-huh. by the way, I'm a career coach. <laughs> nice. I specialize in working with academics. I'd love to offer you a free sample session. <laughs> right? That's nice. So, yeah. So very, very clever. And it was just great timing for me. So I was like, well, okay, fine. You know, you know, I, I, I'm not really the type of person to believe in signs from the universe, but you know, <laughs> All right, this is a sign from the universe. <laughs> so, you know, it was, a, you know, relatively low risk, right? All, I just had to phone her up uh, and spend a few minutes of my time talking. And I, when I, her name is Hillary, Hillary Hutchinson. Uh, and when I first talked to her, I started telling her my story, which at that point was, well, I have a PhD and I'm kind of a loser and I don't know. <laughs> and it's, well, I don't know why it's taking me so long, but I don't know what I should do. And she said, no, you're right on track and this is totally normal and we can, we can work on this. So right away, I started to feel better. Uh, just, I mean, I think just being open and talking about it because I, I just, I wasn't seeing a lot out there. And I certainly, because I didn't really know other people who were doing what I do, was doing, uh, I wasn't having those conversations otherwise. So just psychologically, it was really, healthy for me. It was really helpful for me. Uh, And I worked with her for a few months. And when I say worked with her, we worked quite intensively, three or four uh, hour long coaching sessions each month. And I think we did four months together. Uh, And I didn't, I didn't have everything sorted out by the end of it, but I was really uh, well on my way. Uh, I worked, uh, work with doing the things that I needed to do and feeling much better about it. Uh, so I really, I mean, working with Hillary really changed my life. And uh, it's not that I'm a different person now, but it was incredibly important uh, that I worked with her. And and yeah, she calls herself a career coach. But I mean, I know now that her approach, at least her approach with me, was really life coaching. Uh, I, I, yeah, okay. I, I can say that because I've done the training, so I get it. <laughs> so you get it. Yeah. Um I, I'll confess, I don't really know the difference between a career coach and a life coach. I could probably guess, but do you want to clarify that? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, no, it's it's a, it's tricky because coach coach is not you know life coach, career coach, whatever. This is not a, a regulated government regulated industry, so right. anyone can use those terms. So right. it very much depends on each particular uh, service provider. Hillary's um, approach, again, at least with me. And my approach with many of my clients uh, is very non-directive. 
So it's about asking the client, you know, what do you want to take from the session? And so letting the client guide the agenda and then facilitating the client uh, coming up with what they need to do, getting them focused, <laughs> uh, you know, bringing out their in- intrinsic motivation for whatever it is they need to do. Uh, and the, the, it's very different from consulting. So, for example, a consultant, a lot of the times the test of whether a consultant is doing a good job is if the consultant is giving good advice, right, is, is, is lending his or her expertise and giving you sound advice. And whether you follow up on it or not is up to you. But with a coach, at least this understanding of what a coach is, uh, the test is if the client is doing the work or not. Okay. That makes sense? It does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so it's really about coming, action. So you're coming to a consultant for a particular type of expertise that he or she has, and you're looking mm-hmm. for specific advice. But you're coming to a coach for someone to kind of help you through whatever process you're going through and yeah. to kind of help you get wherever it is you're trying to go. Kind of. Yeah. And it's, it's significant that that person is not involved in your life. So yes, yes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause the problem is that if you're, if you're a graduate student or a just graduated graduate student, chances are your entire social circle is other graduate students or recently graduated yeah. people, right. Or your family. And, yeah. <laughs> and you got all kinds of stuff going on with your family probably. Right. So you want someone yep. who's detached from the process, but who's been through it or can work through it or can help you work through it, basically. Yeah. And I tell I tell my clients now, I mean, when I'm blunt with them, it's like, I don't care what you do. <laughs> I mean, right? And, and in a nice way, but I, it's, not, it's nothing to me. If you want to work as a professor, that's great. If, if you want to travel the world and, and not work, that's great. Uh, if, if you want to start a tech company, cool. If you want to work as a project manager at a bank, awesome. Uh, so I think that that's helpful to people because, you know, yeah, as, you know, as you say, all of our friends, all of our family, you know, everyone we know, they have formed imaginings of our of who we are as people. Uh-huh. What that means us doing, yeah. uh, and it can be difficult for them <laughs> when we are saying, well, I don't know, actually, if I do want to work as a professor, like that's difficult. For them, and they don't necessarily know how to support that process. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. find I find coaching, you know, I find it really useful. You know, I, this is self-serving to say because you know I have my own clients, but I find it a really useful process. But I also find it a fascinating process because it's so different from my past experience. Like I had never interacted with people in this way, where you're really, as a coach, you're asking questions uh, and not yes or no questions most of the time but questions uh, aimed at drawing out from people what they already know and going deeper. And so I find that process really fascinating Uh, and I find that it really suits my personality. I just had never experienced it before. (laughs) Right. Right. And now that you have, you're like, Oh wait, I get this. This It's amazing. (laughs) You know, and it took, you know, it's, I have to, you know, I'm I'm still learning of course, you know, but it, it took me a while to wrap my head around it in the beginning uh, because academia is so much about, giving advice and being an expert. And that's great. That's important. Those are good roles. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I'm an expert with my clients, but most of the time uh, <laughs> I'm facilitating and I'm not advising. Okay. And so you, you call yourself, like on your website, you call yourself an academic career and life coach. Right. Um, yeah. Which everything yeah. you just said fits perfectly into that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at what stage 
as far as academics go, at what stage might somebody come to you? Right. There's a lot of variety. So I work with two types of clients. One is graduate students, and often they're at later stages in their degrees and they need to finish. And so with them, the topic of our coaching tends to be, you know, uh, self-management, uh, you know, getting the work done. And then my second group of clients is the, uh-oh, what's now? <laughs> what's next, right? Those clients. And there's a lot of variety in them. Some of those clients may still be graduate students. Some of them are postdocs, adjuncts. Uh, some, some of them are professors. I've even worked with tenured professors, although I'm 36. And sometimes, you know, if they're quite a bit older than me, it's not really the right fit. But anyway, my point is just to say that there really is a lot of variety in those kind of clients. So uh, in, in terms of stage of career uh, variety, um, I personally really like the career exploration stage, the stage where somebody might be really struggling with imagining themselves doing something different, imagining themselves as something different. And uh, re- yeah, really struggling with that. That's my favorite. <laughs> this sounds a bit sadistic because that is the phase of real uncertainty uh, and a lot of angst and anxiety for a lot of people. And I think that's why it's so important for me to work with clients on that because it really sucks. Yeah. Uh, and if I can help them feel better about it and get moving uh, in a way that works for them and to start sh- thinking of them about themselves in a, themselves in a different way, mm. uh, in, a, in a positive and more useful way, um, then that, that's really meaningful for me. Um, yeah, that's great. I could have really used you right around around the time you were finishing up, around 2012 or so. Um, I probably could still use you, actually, to be honest with you, um, quite a quite a bit. But um, that's 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 great because I think there is a you, you know as a in a lot of PhD programs you get wrapped up in the identity. Um, I think you said at the beginning that you know the distinction between being a PhD and having a PhD. And I think that's a big difference, you know, because the the former is an identity. And if that's your identity, it's very difficult to perhaps to transition into a non-academic or quasi-academic or uh, post-academic situation. Totally, right? Everyone around you. So your professors, your fellow grad students, your family, but then total strangers will say to you, oh, you have a PhD? That's cool. You go to work as a professor? You go to teach? Right. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, God, ugh. Yeah. When you're already struggling with your own internal dialogue about this. You know. <laughs> right. <clears throat> yes, yes. Especially uh, <clears throat> this time of year. It's December right now. So this time of year, you know, there's an expectation that you're on the market. Maybe you're getting calls. Maybe you're getting phone interviews, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, I uh, personally gave gave I shouldn't say gave up. See, even that is like this kind of weird defeating language, right? Self-defeating in a way. But I, I stopped applying to jobs a couple of years ago. And although I still look, um, but uh, two of my good friends just got jobs recently. Mm. And, you know, I get this kind of like, oh, I want a job. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm actually yeah. fairly happy with what I'm doing right now. I could use some tweaks, but uh, but yeah, there's that always that kind of comparing yourself or you know feeling like this is the trajectory I was supposed to be on, right? Yeah, and then yeah, feeling yeah. that guilt or pressure. It's, it's really common, Eric. You know, I really 
I, I believe that there's lots of different things for us all to do in the world mm-hmm. and that we can find, you know, once we know, this is, you know, this is an ongoing process, but as we know ourselves at a core level, as we know what our values are, what kind of lifestyle we want, what's important to us, our strengths, whatever, as we know all of that, uh, then we can find those core elements in so many different uh, jobs, so many different careers. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, that's, that's what helps me is, is to come back to, you know, what's important to me, what are my values? And then is what I'm doing now currently, is it matching up with that? And, you know, I can see, I mean, I really like what I'm doing now. I think it's cool. I can see so many different future possibilities and that's very exciting. And this is very different from what I was thinking about academic jobs because I could not imagine myself really doing them. But, you know, maybe I can totally see myself uh, in a, let's say in a different universe. I, maybe I would work as a social media guru, whatever that meant. Yeah. That'd be fun. Maybe I could be, you know, like a full-time um, keynote speaker. I could totally see myself doing that. Not today. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, having that kind of lifestyle. That sounds really cool. Uh, maybe like a business development role where I was uh, managing relationships with different stakeholders, right? Using to different, you know, business language. Yeah. I think that that would be a kind of job that I'd be really cool at, really good at doing. Uh, so it's, it's, am I making sense when I say this? Like I really Absolutely believe that there's are. a lot of different you are yeah. absolutely making sense. It's great. And like this kind of, I could do this, I could do that. That's kind of what you help other people realize as well, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. And you know, that. at certain moments you do have to make choices. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, great. Right. Fine. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's really healthy to, have, I think it's healthy yeah, to have this viewpoint of, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities out there. And it's yeah. just a matter of knowing myself really well and then doing a lot of exploring and keep t- and keep learning about what's out there because the world is constantly changing. And I think um, the way that we imagine what a professor's job is, is not always what it actually is like. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. I found one of the problems that I've had in the um, post-PhD world is, is explaining, I guess, my skills to other people because I know I have a lot of skills that go beyond – teaching, research, writing, you know, the things you do as yeah. a PhD. And sometimes that doesn't, I have trouble translating that if I, into, uh, as you said, business language. Um, mm-hmm. I think I realized a while ago that I don't want to translate it into business language. So that was yeah. maybe a block on my own part. But I think a lot of people have that problem, right? Of, of like articulating, here are some things I can do. Here are some things that I'm good at. Right. Yeah. And here's how I might be useful to other people and, and, you know, who might want to pay you for that, for that thing. Do you find that a yeah. lot with your coaching? Yeah, it's a huge problem. And it's, it's not just in the air we breathe, but in a very practical sense, we have professionalized, uh, you know, to greater or lesser degree in academia. And so we have learned what the language is and we know what the norms are in this industry, right? Let's call it an industry. And so to then learn about uh, the norms, the language, the requirements of different industries, well, it takes a while, right? It took years to learn acad- academies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it takes a while. So there's that practical uh, part of it. And, you know, there's a lot of talk in my field about, when I say my field, I mean, you know, PhD career uh, uh, educa- education. Uh, there's a lot of talk about transferable skills. Uh, and, and I think that's a really important uh, 
work to do to figure out what are your skills and to be creative with it. So teaching can become educating, can become mentoring, can become training, uh, can become coaching, uh, et cetera. Right. So, lot, lot, you know, you, but you have to learn what are the words uh, that you should use. And that takes a while. Um, this, I'm getting away from your question here, but there is another practical problem of skills are okay, but they may not get you everything. Right. Uh, so employers often are looking for somebody who does have particular experiences. And academics generally just don't have those experiences. It doesn't mean they're not capable of learning quickly and doing an excellent job. Uh, but some employers are just not open to bringing in uh, intelligent potential uh, and training them. So there is that that problem. And it just means we have to seek out employers who are interested in transferable skills. And it also puts the onus on individuals to get some extra training to volunteer, to intern, and to network like a mofo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I networking. Think networking mm. is really, really important. And it's, you know, the challenge is, of course, it's a long term thing. Um, it's something that maybe we should have been doing this whole time and we haven't been. Um, but so be it. Start now. Start now. How, how would you, uh, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, but how would you, if so, so let's say somebody's, um, a self-identified introvert, you know, doesn't like the word networking because it sounds kind of, <laughs> eh, I'm sure yeah. you come, I'm sure you run into this yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what would you tell them to do in terms of networking? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. It comes up a lot. Um, I like to make the distinction between uh, networking proper and informational interviews. I think informational interviews is a much nicer concept, especially for the humanities, uh, non-businessy uh, non types. Uh, and informational interviews is just research. It's just talking to people. It's asking questions. It's learning. It's putting your curiosity. So I think it's much less scary and it's much, much less um icky in a way. Uh, so I think that that's useful. Um, and yeah, networking is, I mean, really it's about making friends. It doesn't mean that you are going to be friends with all the people that you speak with, yeah. but we're all human beings and it's, it's about getting to know people and building relationships, you know, or at least taking the first step into potentially building a relationship and, you know, have fun with it. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. So you decide what works for who you are and where you are. Um, and maybe it means reaching out to people on Twitter, which is a very kind of, uh, you don't have to be super vulnerable <laughs> to do that. Right. Or, you know, the opposite extreme is go to that big networking event and hand out all your business cards. Right? <laughs> like that to me sounds terrifying. But if that's your personality, great. Very cool. It sounds terrifying to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too is that if if you focus on informational interviews, then you don't have to worry about you know is that company hiring? Do they even live in my same city? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, you could talk to someone. I mean, I've done informational interviews with people you know in all parts of the world, and the the point to keep in mind is this is about learning about different kinds of work, uh, and you're. The thing that people don't realize necessarily in the beginning, that as you learn about other people, it, it gives you an excellent opportunity to then reflect on yourself 
yourself as a person, yourself as a potential employee, what kind of environment you would or would not like. So it, talk broadly to people and don't think of it as a, this is going to help me or not help me get a job. Uh, yeah, you know, just talk to people. And talking can sometimes mean emailing and tweeting and Skyping. Um, it's, it's all useful. Yeah. Be curious, right? Be curious. Yeah, be curious. And don't worry if you don't have anything to offer. You know, I hear this. I don't have anything to offer. I think just listening and asking questions, right? Asking questions and listening. I think that people enjoy that kind of interaction. And a lot of people out there don't have a lot of uh, experience with that kind of interaction. So it can be really fun <laughs> for, right. for someone to be interviewed. I mean, yeah. listen to me, right? I'm talking to you now. It's <laughs> fun for me to talk about myself. And thank you for asking these questions. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I found that too with this. Um, like this podcast is, you know, for me, I mean, some of it's networking as well, right? You know, because um, yeah. like, I don't right. know you, right? I know you from Twitter and now we've gotten to know each other a little bit and my audience will get to know you. And everyone likes talking about themselves, right? Um, yeah. And it works out really well. Um, you know, it's kind of like a, it's like an informational interview, I guess, in a way, right? Yeah, that's right. That's like a, that's a great metaphor and not only metaphor, but practical thing. You know, and then later when you feel like, okay, you know, I have a bit more of a new professional identity. I've learned some of the lingo, you know, I'm ready to maybe network proper. That's when you can be a bit more of an equal with somebody in, in in that way. But if you don't feel that you're ready to do that right away, that's okay. Just ask questions. And they don't have to be fancy questions. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you do, do you, every day? <laughs> like, like questions yeah. like that, right? <laughs> yeah. What do you what do you do every day? What's your office environment like? Yeah. Uh, what kind of values are important in your company? How did you get into this field? Uh, if, if, if you were going to give advice to someone looking for a job in this industry today, what would you say is most important? Whatever, right? I mean, these yeah. are broad questions and you don't have to use any insider knowledge. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to start in terms of, and it's a good way to shift it away from like that, you know, networking word that some people don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind the word myself, but, um, yeah. you know. And like you said, like even, you know, I mean, the friends I just told you about who have jobs now, well, they're my friends, but they're also part of my network. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think people yeah. don't maybe don't put that together as well. You know, yeah. networking's yeah. it can be the first two information interviews I did. One was with uh, the wife of a friend and who had a professional job. And the second was with a friend of a friend Um you know, my, my friend, not in academia, said, oh, Jen, you're looking. For, I know a guy with a Ph.D. something doing something different. I'm not sure what he's doing, but let me ask him if he wants to come for a beer with us. <laughs> and, that, and that was kind of you nice. know, an information interview over beer and poutine. But that's OK. Poutine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about poutine. <laughs> French fries with gravy and cheese curds. Oh, mm. You know, I've, this is just, you know, I, I've lived, um, you know, I'm, we're, we border Canada here in, in oh. Detroit, you know, and uh, so I've spent a lot of time in Canada and I, I was introduced to poutine years and years ago. And finally, people here are starting to do it in some of the kind of like kind of more um, experimental or upscale, I guess, kind of places. And it's so 
great. <laughs> it's so incredibly <laughs> great. So. Well, the funny thing is I grew up in Ottawa and, and Ottawa is right on the border of Quebec. And so poutine is everywhere. And oh, I yeah. turned my nose up at it until I was like well into my 20s. And oh, then really? I was like, when I finally had it for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, what, what have I been missing this whole time? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Man, oh, man. And it's, yeah, no, you're making me hungry. So, but that is great. <laughs> that is great, though. You know, beer, poutine, that's networking, you know, because your friend had a friend who knew somebody, and that's great. I would say, you know, just to kind of give you a plug, I guess, a little bit, um, if people are interested in networking, I think they should hop on the with the PhD hashtag on Twitter. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a great way to do it. I've found some Twitter friends there and, and people who are in similar situations to me. I think there's, there's yeah. all kinds of ways to do that. So if, um, so let's say, you know, someone's listening to this interview and they're like, you know what? I could use a life coach or a academic coach or a career coach. And this gen person seems pretty interesting. How would they get a hold of you? Sure. The best way to uh, find me is from PhD to life.com. Uh, and you'll find links to my Twitter, which is at from PhD Life, of course. And I have a Facebook page, um, and my email's up there too. It's Jen at from PhD Life.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very easy. Um, and, uh, yeah, in terms of plugs, let me also say that for people that want a bit more, uh, advice on this kind of thing and, and want a little bit of a crash course in different kinds of jobs that PhDs do, uh, look out for the conference. I have an online conference that I co-host uh, every year, and we're going to do the third annual Beyond the Professoriate Conference coming up in May 2016. And uh, you can find the information on that through my website, but the direct link is beyondprof.com, beyondprof.com. And that's a two-day conference. It's all online. It's very inexpensive. And uh, we'd love to have your listeners. Yeah, sounds good. And I'll try to uh, to pop into that as well for sure. And then if someone wants to get a hold of you for coaching, is it, I mean, do you do like a little interview thing at first or how does the process work? Yeah. So the first step is uh, somebody who's interested in working with me can book an appointment for a no charge initial consultation. And that gives us a chance to talk a bit uh, for me to ask some questions for the you know potential client to get a feel for how I do things uh, and to talk about how we could work going forward or not. You know, sometimes it's not right. Um, and then, yeah, and then after that, we either move forward or we don't. So it's very easy. Yeah, and, I, and I do work with clients from all over the world because it's all audio, so Skype or phone. Okay. And that's fun, too, for me. All over the world, all kinds of different disciplines really interesting oh i'll bet yeah but that's really interesting that sounds really cool actually yeah yeah great great cool and then i I will put the uh, all of these links into the show notes and you can find those show notes at ericmarshall.net slash wet that's eric with a k marshall with two l's dot net slash wet and that will have all the links and everything that you need I did that thing again where I don't say bye to the guest, <laughs> but this time it's because we kept talking after I hit stop, so you don't get that nice little bye thing. Uh, but you can find all of Jen's information uh, at the show notes at ericmarshall.net slash what. You can find me at eMarsh. If you enjoy this podcast, uh, I, 
iTunes reviews are nice. If you go to iTunes and just leave a leave a five star, four star review, whatever you want to do, and maybe a comment. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash emarsh. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.